What is up, everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me. This is episode 213. The guest this week is Tom Hazart. He is the mastermind behind, he is the main man behind all, all of David Ellefson's adventures. He's the man behind EMP Label Group, Ellefson Co. Coffee, and uh, he is also the vocalist on the upcoming David Ellefson uh, bass story album that accompanies the new book. The bass story tour starts July 6th in Providence, Rhode Island. And July 30th in Mankato, Minnesota. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we will see him. Well, not even hopefully. We will see him at the Rock and Pod Expo August 10th. Hopefully do a base story around that too. That would be great to see. And from everything that I've seen, these base stories are a whole lot of fun. Storytelling, rocking some Megadeth tunes and all that good stuff. My name is Scott Bowling. I have a show called Good Company. Good Company is a show where we film artists in the rock genre and we talk about their first record all the way to where they are now. We've interviewed bands like Korn and Seven Us and Rich Ward. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook under Good Company or Good Company with Bowling. So please, if you get a chance, check it out. Good Company! Our thoughts are out to the uh, Megadeth camp with Dave Mustaine and his recent thro- throat cancer diagnosis. Hopefully he will battle through it. The uh, doctors say it's about a 90% success rate, so hopefully gets in there, nails this treatment, and gets out of it, man, because we cannot lose any more of our metal brethren to anything, especially cancer. Went through that scare with my dad. Now we're going through it with Dave Mustaine. If you want to support the podcast monetarily, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash talk to me, choose a tier, and that will be much appreciated. If you want to support the podcast non-monetarily, make sure you are leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any podcatcher that allows a review to be made. Facebook recommendations are always great. Share this episode when you see it. Tell a buddy, bring a friend. And you can always order a Talk To Me t-shirt. The links are in the show notes. New designs coming soon, and I can't wait to get those out to you guys. And uh, to kick off the episode, let's listen to some classic Megadeth. Talk to Tom Hazart. Check out some of the uh, Ellison solo stuff with Tom on vocals. We're going to check out a track from the band Storm Toker doing a Black Sabbath cover. And then I will talk to you momentarily.
Tom. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, you know, same shit, different Monday. <laughs> well, it's it's been a big Monday for you. It has. It has. I mean, honestly, this is, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, it's something. I mean, this has been going on for weeks. Just we couldn't say anything and nobody knew anything and nobody knew what was going to happen. I mean, literally, the decision to cancel everything was literally just made a couple fucking days ago. You know, at first it was like, we're going to do everything. It'll be fine. And then he started his, his treatments and it just, they just realized they weren't going to be able to do it, you know, so it was. You know, so it's been an ongoing thing. I mean, it feels like a, a big sudden thing, but it's really been kind of a casual thing going on over here with them trying to figure out what they were going to do and us trying to figure out what we're going to do around what they're going to do. And, you know, obviously everything we do kind of, you know, works around Megadeth. So we were just kind of sitting back on flock what's going to happen, you know. Well, Megadeth had a very odd, uh, I guess, year because of the Aussie cancellations and scrambling to fill in those dates, and then now you've got, you know, Dave's diagnosis and trying to fill that time, and it's just been a it's been a mess for 20, uh, 2019 for Megadeth. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, I think that's the last thing, you know, they wanted, you know, after the Aussie cancellation and everything else was to have to cancel anything. I think that's why Mustaine was so adamant about, no, I'm just going to do my treatment. We're going to keep the show scheduled, but. I literally supposed to be doing, you know, treatments like the same time they're supposed to be doing shows. And it was just like, you know, I think that's the last thing he wanted because of that Aussie thing that compounded it, you know, because they already, and that had nothing to do with them. You know, they're ready to go out and do that. You know what I mean? And then, (laughs) you know, that's like, look, I think the last thing Mustaine ever wants to do is disappoint fans. Anybody, anybody in the band, you know, the last thing anybody in Megadeth wants to do is disappoint fans. So it's like, look, I think this was a really, really fucking hard decision to make and that's why they took so long after getting the diagnosis to figure out what they're going to do because i think he really wanted to see where he was and if there's any way to not cancel shit he was going to not cancel it you right. know what i mean yeah i mean the one the one nice thing about it and it's obviously when anybody puts something like cancer out there or you know anyone happens to pass away or whatnot i mean you see fans come out of the woodwork and you know today on facebook has just been all thoughts and prayers and all that other nonsense out to uh out to dave and everybody talking about dave and i've definitely uh, been rocking some megadeth all day so oh, yeah i mean like the thoughts and prayers are great and i'm sure welcomed and 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 very appreciated and again I mean, that's it. I mean i mean megadeth so many people appreciate and some you know sometimes you know, they say you don't know what you got till it's gone. Well, sometimes it takes something like this for people to realize how much they do appreciate a band and their catalog. And sometimes it takes for a, you know, what could be a potentially terminal illness or a, or a death. Or I mean, it's really a, we went through that with Chuck Mosley. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like when he died, Rolling Stone and everybody else was calling him a visionary fucking genius when he was alive. And we were putting out his records. We were begging people to cover it. And nobody gave a fuck, you know, and, and I touched on that a little bit in more life with death. There's actually a little part kind of about that, about how I wish, you know, that we really appreciated the outpouring of love and support when Chuck died. It would have been real fucking great if those people would have supported him when he was alive and we were desperately trying to, you know, bring him back, you know, put together a career and, and revive some some things for him when he was struggling, you know, and, you know, nobody, you know, was rushing to help us then. It was just me and Chuck and Dougie against the fucking world. But the second he passed away, it was like Rolling Stone and, at Alternative Press and everybody else, oh, genius, Faith No More vocalist Chuck Mosley dies. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, fuck. Yeah, I mean, even you know, even since this uh, podcast has been around, I had to do a, a, a Nick Menza, you know, remembered episode too. So you know, it's 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 yeah. all around us. Yeah, I know. Like, we talked a lot about you know the Nick Menza thing and more life with death too. I mean, like Nick, obviously, had such a huge, long-lasting impact on the legacy of of megadeth and 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 he's still such a beloved fan friend and we finally you know addressed in the book the rust and peace reunion and some of the and why it didn't happen and and they really wanted it to happen they really felt like they had to try it for the fans but it just wasn't work marty wasn't there nick wasn't there they just couldn't come together and so look we talked about all this stuff in the book and it's super it it was it was super exciting to be involved with david on that and be able to really examine and, and and get into you know this minutia of these stories and things that have never been told before and, and and it was really great to chronicle some of these amazing chapters in Megadeth history and the legacy you know yeah I started reading uh, you you sent me the book last night I started reading earlier today I'm about about to page one hundred ish you know it just kind of gives you a 
a concept of kind of what happens, you know, when you're not in the big band anymore. You know, what do you do when you're not out there in a successful band like Megadeth anymore? I mean, what do you do? Dave had to get a job, you know, and, and actually had to go to work for PV, and you still have yeah, to they, work, they, and when you're done. Life, it's like, no, he even says in the book, he's like, look, it was a sobering wake-up call when he wasn't the rock star in Megadeth anymore, and he had to go get a fucking job. But you <laughs> know what? Whatever he did, he made an impact, though. He went to PV, and he was instrumental in the, the, the 5150 and, and their revival in marketing and bringing in Slipknot and Nickelback and all this. I mean, look, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, in the 80s, PV was not looked upon very favorably, you know, in the 80s and 90s. You know, Dave was kind of the one who I think really brought a lot of that credibility to PV that they had. You well, know, see, kind of like, if you remember, Dave was Primer 55's PV contact. And so we were outfitted with PV stuff. And when I joined Primer, we had uh, some PV stuff laying around. And my initial thing was, why would we ever want to have PV stuff? But then now that I've played it, it's probably some of the best stuff I ever had. You know, I had the Ampegs and all that other nonsense. But, you know, that oh, PV, yeah. the PV stuff that we had with Primer was, was some of the best stuff, best sounding stuff I ever had. Well, that's it. When, when I worked with Camira and Switch, they were all using the 5150s and all, the, all that PV stuff, too. And again, it was really a... It was kind of a, you know, and Dave was really involved in that. It was really kind of a, a renaissance for PV in, the, in that period. And I squarely think a lot of that was was David. You know what I mean? Whatever he does, whatever he puts his hands on, you know, he, he does it and he does it right and he does it well. And he brings, you know, credibility and, and levity and, and all these amazing things to the table on, on, on everything he does. And that's part of the, the gift of, of David Ellison, you know? And the, uh, the new songs you sent over sound awesome and can't wait for everybody to start hearing those. Uh, I guess the, Thank qu you. the question I have for you is, I know you've posted yeah, about it. Yeah, let's talk about me now. Let's, yeah, we're <laughs> all about Tom Hazard now. You know, I sent you a message last night that you need to do a solo album, but I don't know your, your history of being a vocalist. But uh, when I saw that you were singing on it, I was like, all right, let's see what Tom has. And then after a couple of songs, it's like, man, Tom, you really need to put out a, put out a solo album here. Yeah, you know what? I've actually been a vocalist my whole fucking life. I mean, I started singing Megadeth tunes in cover bands when I was fucking 13. You know what I mean? It's like I've been, you know, I, like I, I was in bands, you know, up in, into my 20s. And, and then I realized, you know, I want to be on this side of it, you know? And that's when I kind of made the transition over to management. But look, I've always been a producer. I mean, I, you know, I worked with Bleed the Sky. I, you know, produced their first demos. I got them signed and wrote I, i've written a lot of stuff i've never stopped singing i've never stopped writing writing songs for bands writing songs for myself and again there's a lot of records i worked on where it's literally a singer for a record singing every line i wrote and me telling him how to sing it and, and again it was just one of those things it's something that's always been a part of what i did i just i never really had that interest in you know well, i'm gonna go be in a band i'm gonna go be a singer but it's like look me and david just started doing this shit for fun and it's like, look, if I'm going to do a musical project, it's going to be something like, you know, if anybody's going to get me to do it, it's the fucking guy from Megadeth who's been my idol since I was 13 years old. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's a huge honor to be able to do this and do these and everybody. I mean, again, it's like I sat and I sat with Max Cavalera and played him Sleeping Giants on my phone. And it's like, bro, I love your vocals. Very good energy. <laughs> and that like it doesn't get like. As a vocalist, and I'm sure you hear that in it, and I told him, I said, look, you know what, Max, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't sing like that. I wouldn't, I mean, Sepultura and Max Cavalera especially, mm -hmm. I mean, again, were a huge influence. You know, so again, him and, and Dave McLean and some of the guys who heard this shit and went, oh my God, you know, it was really a, a, a validating, vindicating moment. It's like, because when you go into this and you're doing this stuff with somebody like, and look, this thing's a fucking all-star thing. I mean, Hammer comes down as like, me, Eric A.K. from Flotsam, Mark Tremonti, Chris Poland, Dave McLean on fucking drums, Joey Radzewell from Sacred Reich, Ellison, uh, Sleeping Giants is me and DMC, Steve Connolly from Flotsam. You know, I mean, it's like a fucking super group thing to, to you know, on top of it. So it's like not just David, it's like no pressure, you know? <laughs> right. I went and saw Flotsam and Jetsam, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and Eric, this voice is just, there's so many bands out there that are touring that started in the early 80s that just don't have it, and Flotsam yeah. and Jetsam is definitely not one of those bands. He's, he sounds so good live. Yeah, I, I just went and saw him a couple weeks ago. Dead by Wednesday was mm -hmm. obviously the support on that tour, and I just went and saw him in, and Wrath actually opened the show I saw too, so it was like a 
double, it was like a combat double whammy. But yeah, no, they were great, man. And AK's voice is great. He's still, when we were, I'm not going to lie, he saved my ass on that song. I, I had the verses and everything written, and I was really stuck on that chorus part. And literally, like, AK came in, and I was in the other room, and all of a sudden you hear the other room, Legacy of Daddy! I'm like, whoa. And, and he just sang that melody, and it was awesome. And then, you know, I, I kind of retweaked the, the, the lyrics and, and some of the parts with him. And But yeah, yeah, he, it was funny. We were listening to it that morning, and I had my vocals, which are this kind of more hardcore Pantera heavy, you know? And David, we were both just like, we looked at each other and said, this needs a different energy. And he, he called AK, and he came over and did those parts. And again, it really did. I mean, it's cool, because it's like, you know, I've, I'm doing this real heavy Pantera sort of biohazard heavy fucking thing. And, you know, and 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 then AK comes in doing this super thrashy, cool, high, you know, and it's a really cool, interesting, you know, dichotomy, I think. Can't wait for everyone to hear it out there. Like I said, I was jamming well, it last it, night. It is actually on iTunes for pre-order now as of yesterday. And if okay. you pre-order, get all three of the new tracks with me, Vultures, Sleeping Giants, and Hammer comes down as instant download grat tracks. So, and I think they might even be on Apple Music and stuff and, and whatever else, but I know for 100% certain you can download the record, you can pre-order the record on iTunes and get those three songs as an instant download. I noticed following you on social media and things like that is is the, you know, you're kind of like a, almost like a Forrest Gump of metal at this time. You know, I think about myself a lot like oh, that's that. That's true. I just you dumb know, my way into all this Not shit, dumb man. your way. You're just always there. Especially with, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the Max and uh, everything was uh, the Metal Allegiance rehearsals, you know, and you're... It, it was. It, it was, it was the, the heavy metal pizza party. Yeah. Um, you know, we were all... The Platinum Underground is this amazing studio in Phoenix where me and David did a lot of the stuff for Sleeping Giants. It's where Joey and McLean and everybody tracked their stuff. And AK, that's where Sacred Reich just did their new record, which is fucking incredible, by the way. Um, just talk about bands who still have it, man. Wait till you hear that record. I mean, I sat... And it's funny, actually, that night I sat with with Phil and, and he played and, and Dave and he played me the whole fucking record top to bottom. And I was, I texted Brian Slegel. I'm like, Oh my God, this sacred record is fucking amazing. You know what? <laughs> yeah. So we were all metal legions had a rehearsal for the Phoenix show at the platinum underground. You know, we ordered a bunch of pizza and we were all just sitting around hanging out and it was awesome. And John Bush was there and Dave McLean and Portnoy and Skolnick and Ellison and Max and Troy from Mastodon. And it was like, you know, it was, it was literally like Headbangers Ball in 1989. You know what I mean? It was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, just to sit back and be in a room like that, you know, you just have to kind of almost the the inner fanboy in you has to has to make sure it doesn't come out. <laughs> it, it's always it's always a struggle, man. Especially like, you know, and again, you know, fucking John Bush, man. I got to sit there and they played, you know, Room for One More, and I'm just like, holy fucking shit. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, my inner fanboy. It, it, it's it, you know I, I'm pretty good at beating it into submission these days. But man, I grew up a, a huge fan of metal, and I still am. I mean, so again, it's just an honor to work with. And you know, I, again, the relationship I've gotten to form with, you know, David and Alice Cooper and 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 Bush and and you know some of these, and to work with them. And DMC, I mean, fuck, man, I get to do a song with fucking D. Like I checked off my whole bucket list in like two months. It's like <laughs> fuck. Now what? Now what is the truth? Uh, so earlier today, it's funny I'm talking to you today. I got a uh, message on on Facebook, and someone the the literal question to me was, "How can I get more people to my buy my band single?" So Tom, how do you get more people to buy someone's single in uh, 2019? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Go on tour, be a fucking. I, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a very complex question i mean look honestly as a new band the deck stacked against you i mean there's really i mean honestly it's almost like there's no rhyme or reason to it anymore it's just like oh well this fluke thing happened and now it's viral on youtube you know what i mean it's like look there's still the things you can do and and, and again you know make sure your social media is solid build your numbers tour as much as you fucking can work your ass off network i, I mean look certain certain propositions will always remain true you know what i mean but at the same time you know it, 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 there's really no magical fucking formula anymore man it's just i mean like what we do i just put that through everything i got at everything i got at all times and fucking hope for the best i think there's something too uh 
you know, not having, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? There's something to like the word of mouth. I can go on Facebook every day, Twitter every day, Instagram every day and promote talk to me. But yeah. the but the moment someone else promotes it to their friends, I think that that's when people will actually pay attention. Well, that's it. And that's it. I mean, look, like yesterday, you know, when we made the announcement about Sleeping Giants being on iTunes, you know, Ultra Bridge and Mark Tremonti retweeted it. And again, that's the stuff that even to me, you know, me and David were both, we're, you know, it's funny. We were both like, holy shit, that's awesome. You know what I mean? It's like, to me, that's the stuff that really, and that's, again, part of why I said network, man. Network with other bands, talk about each other. Support. I mean, look, that's what we did with EMP and Combat. It's like we created the support network of Dave's social media, which is over a million people, and, and, and EMP and Combat. And we've built this social media network that's as strong pretty much as any news outlet out there any anything and we you know that's sort of our thing is we created this network of our of our own thing you know what i mean where we can promote our own things and we you know do a lot of independent artist samplers and 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 a lot of things to help independent artists and 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 you know so it's really important to network i I mean nothing in this business has I mean, it's always been important and it will never be any less important, you know, network and make friends and be cool to everybody and, and do everything you can for everybody because it always comes back, you know? Well, speaking of always coming back, when are you going to start the EMP, you know, new metal side? You know, there's so many, like, I feel like you're, you're, you're reaching into like the area, the era before us. And uh, I, think, yeah. I think our era is coming soon. Yeah, you know, man, it's like, like, I've never intentionally been oh i'm gonna sign this kind of band now and i never will i mean like if i i I personally hate that term i don't use that term i never have and like it's become kind of accepted now but you know it's funny i mean look you know i was one of the people who started using that term you know what i mean when when that you know hang on a second (laughs) yeah hello hey it's david ellison how are you buddy Good, man. What's going on, dude? How are you? I'm good. I'm in the middle of doing an interview with Talk To Me. I just figured I'd answer the phone and, and put you on the spot. Yeah, call me back. I will. Hey, hey let me let me ask Dave something. Uh, he's already gone. Oh, Sorry. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what were you going to ask him? Uh, my, my buddy Jeremy was his driver on a, on, a, on a tour recently and made him hold a picture of me holding a cup of Ellison coffee as Jeremy took photos yeah, we'll, of it. We'll, I was we'll like, call, we'll call him back. All right. All right, please. Oh, well. Uh, I'll, 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 tell me your question, and I will pass it on later. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no. I think he's calling me back. Right. This is every day. Okay. So, so Josh has a question for you, actually. So I, I said I will call you back and let him ask you quick. <laughs> okay. Right. okay. Go ahead, Josh. Can you hear me? I'm sure. I think so. Yeah. All right, David. So uh, Jeremy Owsley was your bus driver on your tour and he made you hold a picture of me holding a cup of Ellison coffee. How did that make you feel? Did he get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he remembers that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> how, how ridiculous of a moment was that for you, David? It was pretty ridiculous, but I'm glad it, it hit well for both. That was, well, obviously it was memorable, so uh, I haven't even seen the picture, but I remember doing it. So hopefully, hopefully it was as good for you as it was for me. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate it. Well, 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 good. Well, well, buddy, I will call you back. I'm going to go do this here interview and, and, and keep saying good things about you, and we'll talk to you in a little bit. Yeah, call me in an hour or so when I'm done with my thing at noon. All right, perfect. I will. <laughs> okay, there you go. So you never know what will happen here on Talk To Me. Right, you get a little piece, little bit of David Ellison. That's so funny, man. <laughs> I will never forget him in here. That, people get to, that's a snapshot into my days. Me and David Ellison on the phone 45 times. Okay, I got to do an interview. Okay, me too. You know, that's it. That's our day every day. Especially Mondays are even crazy, especially today. You know, it's like, it's funny. We had a whole press day scheduled for today and tomorrow. And then the announcement went out today. And I I, I know, obviously, you know, that changes the dynamic of everything we're doing and all those interviews. And I know, you know, you know, and again, and it's, we're all, uh, again, very hopeful for a, it, it's a good prognosis with that. And again, but it's, again, it's, it's a really, you know, again, we're all very positive about it at the same time. It just, it's a sad dynamic and puts a cloud over everything. And it's like, look, we all got to keep moving forward and keep doing what we're doing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, our, you know we're, we're all with, you know, Dave and, and, and his brother, Mr. Mustaine. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely been a rough day for the entire Megadeth camp, and it's you know, but it is you know kind of cool being able to talk to you today because you know how cool is that for you 
to be associated with Megadeth camp so much that, uh, you know, a, a news story like this comes down and the first thing is like, you know, got to talk to Tom. Right, right. And, and again, and, Bittersweet. It, and it's funny. I, I don't consider myself an official spokesperson of, on any level for the Megadeth organization. But again, you know, I am David's partner and best friend, and I did just write, literally write the book on Megadeth. So, I mean, again, I guess I I guess I am sort of an authority and, and, and privy to certain things just because of my position and with David. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's really a, an honor and a privilege to be involved. I mean, again, one of the literally greatest heavy metal bands of all time and, and you know, it, is, it is but so but, but you know back so back to your question you know i was uh yeah i've never intentionally said oh i'm gonna sign this genre of music or this genre of music or you know again mark slaughter i fucking love slaughter he it came up it's, it's been more opportunity based you know like if uh you know and again and to me new metal just became an ignorant term that that people threw around and, and it got to the point where I mean, again, when the term new metal came into existence, it was honestly a derogatory term thrown around by guys in the business to describe third rate rap metal bands that were coming up as like trying to get on the heels of Limp Bizkit and, you know, all, all the bands that had come through and been really successful. Then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, again, it was kind of like the, the 90s with all the kind of third-rate glam bands major labels were trying to everybody had to sign one you know what i mean and, mm -hmm. and again i love a lot of those bands and and it was kind of it was kind of the same thing though you know the end in the 2000s like everybody was signing you know after primer and you know i, I mean obviously probably consider primer part of that you know second wave of you know there was biscuit and then corn you know corn then biscuit and the deftones and you know the primers and the you know that stuff and then there was and there were some great bands but again it just got to the point where there was this real saturation of labels signing stuff that wasn't necessarily that good or that memorable and, and you know and, and that term new metal just kind of became something that elitist metal fucking douchebags that are throwing around to put in a box, anything that was remotely hard rock, anything that had heavy vocals and melodic, it just became really limiting and really stupid. And now it's funny because it's become this accepted word and genre and, you know, and, and it's funny and it still to me has like negative connotation. So I'm still wrestling with coming to terms with it. You know, I mean, again, look, that was definitely an era for me and in, in my career, it was a big era, but before, I grew up on thrash metal and, and 80s metal and glam metal. And, you know, I mean, like, I love Warren, I love Slaughter, I love fucking Motley Crue, and I love Slayer and Ozzy and King Diamond and fucking Venom. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it really, to me, there was no distinction. I just love fucking metal. I love aggressive music. And even with EMP and Combat, there really isn't, man. We put out thrash metal stuff. We put out, you know, really heavy stuff. We, we put up black metal records we put up the ancient record but then we put up mark slaughter and autograph and madam x and mark zavon and dollskin and there's really no rhyme or reason to anything we sign and i think that's i, I kind of see beyond genres and i just love good heavy fucking music and if something hits me i'll sign it so like if a band comes along that people would consider it you know but it's funny i just heard some band on the on the radio the other day and it was literally switched i was like oh my fucking god like it's crazy that, you know, and nobody's saying, oh, it's new metal, but it's funny, but it is. I mean, it's literally, it was literally fucking switched. I mean, again, it was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, holy, it was weird, you know? I mean, that it really has come back around where it's like, I mean, again, it was abandoned that, you know, dropped C corn tuning, doing melodic fucking chords and singing and screaming. And I was like, holy shit, this is switched. <laughs> Well, I think you, you know, you and I share in that, uh, you, you know, that we we lived through those years of of when you know the the term new metal or whatever when uh, when those bands were huge, and then there was that lull, and then I really think right now with with you know you saying you're hearing bands on the radio that sound like switched, and you know I'm having dudes like Kane Hill on the podcast that are excited to talk to me because I was in Primer for a while, and it's just like it just doesn't make any sense how how it went from like a bad term to. Oh my God! You were once in Primer. Uh, but what, what people what people don't remember though is metal. The word metal was like that in the fucking nineties, dude. Exactly. That's when Megadeth cut their hair and did Risk, and that's when Metallica did Load and Reload. And there was a time when metal was a fucking dirty word. Metal was not cool. And you know it's funny, and that was what. And we talk. Funny enough, we talk about this. I talk about this in the book too. Is you know there's a part with me and and Head from Corn and David, and we're kind of going back and forth. And I talk about all this in the book. 
and corn revitalized metal and, and reinvented it in a way that it was acceptable at a time when it really wasn't. And that's what people forget. Like metal itself was like that in the nineties, man. And new metal, whatever the fuck it was called at the time, made it okay again. It, it reinvented metal and kept it on life support long enough to get healthy and come back. And, you know, corn led people to Slipknot and Slipknot led people back to Megadeth and Slayer and, you know, more, ex- even more extreme forms of metal beyond that, you know? So, I, I mean, look, say what you want about new metal. I, I, I think it's, it, A, it was the last great movement in American rock and roll. And it probably will be because the, the major label infrastructure that supported it and created those doesn't exist anymore. It's not there. So, I mean, it really more than likely new metal will be the last great movement in mainstream American rock and roll. I mean, period, you know, and that's why all those bands are still huge. And, you know, all these older bands are still huge and in arenas and still relevant because they're not making any new ones and they're not going to. The major labels don't sign metal bands. They don't sign rock bands. They don't do that. And everything's so segmented and diluted that it's impossible to even, you know, there's a few like Five Finger Death Punch who just kind of slipped in under the under the door as it was closing. But there's really, not, I don't think that the mechanism even exists for a band to get that big again, you know? Yeah, it's it's insane. And, you know, obviously having the, the, the personal ties to Five Finger, it was crazy when I, you know, kind of got into the Five Finger Death Punch area. And then, uh, you know, I went and saw them over the summer last year at a shed. And I turn around and I look around and there's, you know, 20,000 people in an, in an amphitheater for Five Figure Death Punch. And I'm just like, how did this ever happen? Dude, dude I, lost, I lost money promoting a Five Finger Death Punch show in a fucking bar. You know what I mean? I'm with you on that one. Right. You know, I, I did. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars putting out the Ghost Machine record. You know what I mean? It's like, I get it. I'm right there. I mean, I love. But, you know, dude, I, again, it, it was an honor to be there in that moment in history. And, you know, I was there. I mean, I sat in a car with Ivan playing me the Five Finger Death Punch demos asking me to put it out on corporate punishment. And I literally said to him, I said, look, I'm winding this label down. I'm fucking done with it, but this shit's awesome. You guys will find another label and somebody who will do it justice. And they did three, four, five months later, and then they were the biggest goddamn band in the world. And God bless them, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's crazy to see how big they got. And then, you know, you're going to, you know, we went and saw Tool a couple of months ago, and, you know, they sold out the arena here, and you know, you're getting some of those legacy acts coming through, but I, I just, it's, I think the internet and, you know, there's so much hate out there that if you even kind of get any kind of popularity, everybody just kind of pounces on it and just starts talking about how much it sucks. You know, there, there, there will definitely never be another Metallica that no. comes through and, and rises above just because if there was if the internet in 82, they would talk about how much this band sucks and, uh, you know, kill it before it could ever come out. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, and that's it. I, I think that's a big part of the issue. So again, that's why these legacy artists are doing because again, these are the last great things that you, they, they, you know, that mechanism that existed, the major labels, the billions of dollars, and you know, again, it just doesn't exist anymore. So again, everybody's, you know, milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> you're right there never will be another metallica there'll never be another guns and roses there'll never be another led zeppelin and again even the bands that are getting to that mainstream success started 15 years ago you know i remember sitting with rick sales outside nam over 10 years ago and him telling me about ghost you know what i mean it's like and and now they're, they're huge but again they've been doing it for 10 15 years now you know five finger death punch all these bands that are finally getting success now, they've been doing it for 10, 15 fucking years. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, they're, you know, it's not like they're new. They're like, oh, they're huge. It's like overnight success. It just takes you a decade. <laughs> the decade long overnight success. You know, yeah. and it's crazy, too. You know, your ties to Limp Bizkit and, you know, they're out, now they're out headlining these festivals again. I know. They're out headlining fucking huge radio festivals. <laughs> like, where the fuck? Two years ago, it was like they play a show and it was a joke. It's like, what the fuck? You know? Mm hmm. Yeah, people were saying it just shows how those things go, and it it gets to a point where all the negative thing gets replaced by. And it was like that with hair metal for a long time. 
like it was just not cool at all. And then, you know, that that weird thing, that's a, that stigma kind of gives way to nostalgia. Younger kids discover it. They see it's fun. I mean, look, I think that was kind of the thing with a lot of that shit. Limp Bizkit was a fun fucking band, you know? What? Poison, Motley Crue, Warrant, they were fun fucking bands. And I think, you know, again, all this stuff, this music and this nostalgia, that people find in it it's just about fun and i look if you come in my house like you'd think i you think you're i was 15 years old and it was a time warp to 1991 you know what i mean it's like you know it's just again i think there's you know everybody kind of looks to find that part of themselves that was you know to me that was when music really fucking meant something and my, my whole life and career is always kind of a journey to be in touch with that that time when music meant everything in the fucking world to me and those songs and those albums and those album covers and everything and and megadeth and metallica and skid row and we lived or died for fucking music then you know what i mean and 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 again i think people see that and try and get in touch with that and I, i think older people like us we're all still trying to be and stay in 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 touch with that you know Oh yeah, we're definitely right there trying to stay with it. I mean, you're you're uh, describing your house. I was like, did you walk into my house and also you know look around and uh, you know the 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 ever ever um, what is it the ever long fourteen year old lives here. You know, oh, yeah. my, 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 my office is like a fucking Megadeth museum. It's hilarious. Like people, I live stream from here once in a while on on social media, and it's literally like my office is a Megadeth museum. You'd laugh if you saw. It. Well, the, I want to talk a little bit more about the book. Uh, yes, please. The the, uh, the the one chapter that I actually, you know, you try to put yourself in where you were and, and like when all this stuff was going on. And the one thing when he talks about the recording with Soulfly, I thought yeah. that was funny because he's talking about getting the offer from Soulfly. And I was actually in the room with Bobby when Bobby got the offer for Soulfly. And then he's talking about, you know, doing the videos and stuff. And I'm like, I was I remember kind of being bummed that you know the first video for the uh, for that album came out when Bobby joined had Dave in it rather than Bobby you know and I'm like well, 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 you, know, well you know the reality is you know they you know out of loyalty to Bobby that's the only reason Dave didn't do more in Soulfly and honestly I think it would have been great for Soulfly if Dave had done more I mean the stuff Dave did was pretty high and no disrespect to Bobby Dave Ellison's fucking Dave Ellison you know right, what I mean right. it's the like Kim being in Soulfly I mean again that's a and look, and it was awesome. And Bobby and Mark were were great together. And and again, they're a great young band. And I think that was kind of what Max liked. But look, I think I I honestly, you know, wish Dave would have done a little more. And and you know, and again, it was it, it was great for Bobby. And you know, again, but I honestly, I I I go the other way. I wish Dave would have done a little bit more. Or you know what I mean? It's just bummer timing for both of them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, bummer timing for me because I was in Louisville with Bobby working on a new band when he got the call for Soulfly, and so I mean that kind of derailed that that part of my life too. So it was kind of yeah. A, and, and he he went and did that for a pretty significant period of time too. I mean, he did that for a few years. Yeah, he was on like four albums. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in there for a pretty, pretty, pretty good chunk, you know. But again, I think that was kind of the period where Dave was sort of. Again, hadn't quite figured out what he was going to do and didn't even know if he wanted to still do music. And, and, and again, there was a lot of inner turmoil in that whole period, you know. So so, so how far did you get in the book? I mean, did I even come in yet? You're on a page 100. Yeah, I just passed so, I'm on about chapter four, I think is what it said last time I checked. And, uh, you know, just passed the photos. Finally found photos in this book. So, uh Good. I told you there was some there. There's, there's, I think there's 16 pages of photos, but there's there's some cool stuff in there, man. The photos, we really handpicked all the photos, and I think there's some really cool, you know, there's a cool picture of Dave and Post Malone in there. There's, you know, a cool picture of me, Dave, his son Roman, Alice Cooper, and Dash. You know, that's a really, you know, that was a really cool moment. We all went out and had dinner in Phoenix last year, and Melody Myers took this awesome photo that ended up in there, and yeah, look, I, I think it's it, it, look, you're, you're you're just getting to the point where it gets really great. I'm excited for you to read the rest because again, it's like all that in, that intro stuff is awesome and that's kind of the backstory. But then you're about to get to the point where it like goes into EMP combat, Ellison Coffee. I mean, KK Downing's in the book, Heads in the book. You know, Dan Donegan from Disturbed is in the book. Mark Tremonti's in the book. Chris Adler is in the book. Kiko and Dirk are in the book. And you're not even to any of that yet, which is awesome. You know, every time somebody reads this book, I'm like excited. Like, I'm like, oh, so how far are you? Where are you? You know what I mean? It's, you know, I, I get excited because I can't wait 
It's like, you know, it's like when you're watching a movie with somebody that you've already seen and you're kind of watching their face waiting to get to the good part. <laughs> and, and one thing I have to say is a very quick read, too, because, I mean, I just started a little bit earlier today and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm almost ready for this conversation to be over so I can jump back in the book so I can finish it up today. Well, good. Well, good. I, I definitely I, I I'm looking. I, I will. I expect a full a full book report turned in by the end of the week. Oh, it'll it'll come through. Don't. That be was, that'd be funny. I'm gonna do that. I want you to write me a book report at the end of the week. Give <laughs> <laughs> me number two pencil, full on high school. You know, Josh Joshua Toomey <laughs> in the corner, over in the corner. Yeah, with the date and uh, you know my 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 professor Hazart on the other side. <laughs> oh, that's great. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you dig it. Like the response to the book has been so positive. And again. I'm I'm we're both thrilled with how it turned out and we spent a long time writing it and and it was really cool because we kind of we started it last year basically the story behind it was me and Dave were in Minnesota I've been you've been there have been talking for years about writing another book him and Joel MacGyver have been talking about writing another book maybe a big four thing and you know it was just kind of natural you know the natural course of events we were in Jackson David's hometown for a for a uh some coffee. some coffee events and yeah and David found this Ellison family history at his mom's house. We went back to the the Ellison family farm, and that just led to discussions like, dude, we should put this on. Dude, let's just write another book, and it just started. Like literally, within David started sending me chapters. I started writing shit, and within like a month, we had the meat of the book written. And then I started doing all the interviews, and I got Alice Cooper in there, and Kiko, and you know, Dan Dodd again in Tremonti, and I so I just started interviewing all these people and, and getting all this stuff, KK, and it really just came together in this awesome way. And when it was done, and I sat and read it and held it in my hands, I mean, again, I've never been prouder of anything in my life, you know? Yeah, it's got to be nice for you just to have your name on the cover like that, and I was like, damn, there you go, Tom. And it's sitting right here on my desk, and I stare at it all day, every day. <laughs> Sleep with it, snuggle with it, yeah, a bathe little bit. with it, you know. A little bit. I, I, I keep trying to bathe with it, but I, I keep. I, I mean, I'm going. I'm get. I'm going through too many copies. <laughs> lost a lost I, a copy in your I, hair somewhere. Yeah, I, I need to get like a waterproof sleeve for it or something. Maybe they make one. Well, great, man. What's the uh, so the the album, the base story tours and stuff are coming up, and you'll be uh, you'll be doing your yeah, songs the there too. Out, the book the book is out July sixteenth. Sleeping Giants comes out July nineteenth. We are on tour on the More Life of Death tour starting ugh, fuck July sixth in Providence, and we have like twenty five shows in the uh, the East Coast and Midwest, and then we're gonna have a couple book events in L.A. and Phoenix and. Um, yeah, I, look, we got some Barnes and Noble signing, some FYE stuff during the tour. And, and obviously, you know, with this Megadeth thing shutting down, you know, we're going to try and, you know, go out and, and, and do a little more where we can, you know, while, while, you know, while still supporting Mustaine. And, and, but again, it's like, it's a, you know, we, we definitely have this opportunity to promote the book and, and this other stuff. So, I mean, again, we're going to take advantage of the downtime and, and try and keep doing anything that comes up. And you know, so are you, are you doing, you're, you're going to rock and pod this year, right? I am doing rock and pod again. I was actually about to ask you the same thing. Good. Well, see, I see, I'm interviewing you now. So, <laughs> and, and this isn't announced yet. They're going to announce it later this week, but like David, originally David was supposed to do it. We're, we're actually doing a combined last year. We did this PBX expo thing in Tampa it was great. It was me and Head from Corn and Troy from Mastodon and Mike Clink and Max Norman and it was it was phenomenal. Jason Beeler, Bumblefoot, Dirk from Megadeth. But uh, so we're gonna do like a kind of combined PBX thing at Rock and Pod with some panels and stuff. And you know it's gonna be cool. So but originally David was supposed to do it and then Megadeth booked some shows in Illinois that weekend, so we had to drop off. But now I think David is gonna come back and we're gonna do Rock and Pod together. And then I think we might even try and do a base story in nashville as part of it so we'll see what happens but it looks like me and david will both be at rock and pod now so i'm well, definitely looking forward to that i was bummed when he got canceled from rock and pod so uh yeah so yeah well, I look, kind of a silver lining in this whole shitty news today is you know look now we get to go do rock and pod and you know i look they had awesome shows at the ona state fair and it, it's a huge bummer they're canceled but you know i think the people I, I think the rock and pod people were thrilled and Again, but that, like I said, I mean, everything we do always kind of is dictated by Megadeth. Like, look, we had Rock and Pod on the books, and then Megadeth announced shows. Rock and Pod got canceled. You know, well, Megadeth shuts down. Well, what well, we went back and revisiting, and now we're going to go 
do the rock and pod PBX thing, and it's, it's going to be a great time. You know, David really wanted to do it last year. He was bummed because Angel and Stars were there, and those were like two of his favorite bands. I was <laughs> sending him pictures, and he was like, dude, I'm so jealous. And, you know, I got him, I actually bought him a couple of records and got him signed by the guys from Angel, Angel and Stars, and he was super stoked. Yeah, so he's excited to, we're excited to go out and do it. And it's going to be a crazy week because we, we're on tour for a month, and we fly straight to Phoenix to go do the book signing stuff in Phoenix and LA, and then we, basically fly straight back to Nashville to do rock and pod PBX. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. The um you know what's the what's the uh the the next few releases on EMP coming out? <laughs> you know, honestly man, you know, we just put out the new last crack record, which is fucking amazing. You know, honestly there's not a lot on the schedule. I mean, again, the Sleeping Giants thing kind of was our biggest release and that kind of took a lot of you know, a, a lot of priority. And again, you know, it's just when shit comes, it comes. You know what I mean? It's like right now we've got the new Eternal Odyssey record out. We've just put out the last crack record. You know, we've got a bunch of great stuff that just came out. We have uh, this band Crawl, who are one of my favorite fucking bands ever from my hometown. We're reissuing some of their records on Combat, which I'm super excited about. Um I'm trying to, I mean, honestly, I don't even think we've got a whole lot on the schedule besides Sleeping Giants and Crawl, and we just put out uh, American Terror, which is actually awesome. It's uh, guys from this band called Grayson Manor, who are really a cool fucking band that a lot of people miss, but they're awesome. And, uh, you know, the Rob, the drummer from Skid Row, and the bass player from Sugar Ray, and the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the yeah, oh, yeah, and, and uh, God, and one of the guys from the Funk Junkies, you know, so it's this cool, weird little supergroup thing. It's like, you know, it's kind of like Amen was. It's this really cool, high-energy metal punk hybrid, you know. So we just put out that EP, you know, uh, digitally, and the full record's coming out later this year. You know, the new Sunflower Dead record's out. That's doing great. The new single's coming out next week. And there's always stuff coming. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's right now a lot of our energy has just been on Sleeping Giants and getting that out and kind of killing it, and it's been great. Cool, man. Well, Tom, I'm looking forward to seeing you in Nashville, August uh, 10th, I believe it is. And yes. uh, definitely have to get David back on the podcast to, uh, to to promote all this stuff, too, rather than just a uh, a quick one <laughs> middle phone call with you. Right. No, we'll definitely do that, brother. Well, thank you so much. If you need anything else, I'm always here. And I make sure you turn turn in your book report. We'll do what uh, what song do you want me to play off the off of your uh, your your triumphant return to vocals? I don't know. What song do you want to play? Oh, fuck, Tom. You know I don't know song titles. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Play, play Sleeping Giants. There we go, man. All right, Tom. Well, well, like I said, man, I'll see you in Nashville. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see
this is David Vincent, and you're listening to me on Talk To Me Podcast. Bow to me faithfully, bow to me splendidly, bow to me faithfully, bow to me splendidly.
Okay, huge thank you to Tom Hazart for coming on the show. Always make sure and check out everything they're doing over there at the EMP Label Group. Make sure to check out their coffee. I know Chris Aiken is a huge fan. Check out Storm Toker. They are a band out of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Bass player is a huge Tennessee Titans fan, so I've always got to support what he does. And a great cover of the, uh, the, the Black Sabbath song there. So hopefully see you guys August 10th, Rockin' Pod Expo, Talk To Me podcast. David Ellison's going to be there, Michael Sweet, and so much more. And so for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you guys next Thursday. The, uh, the Bay Story Tour with David Olufsen starts July 6th in Providence, Rhode Island. Ends... The Bay Story Tour starts July 6th in Providence... Pro- My God. The Bay Story Tour starts July 6th in Prov- Prov- Providence, Providence...